What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. How can you build engagement daily and nail the first six months of your new hire experience and beyond? Hi, I'm Chitong from Engage Rocket. And with me today to help answer that question is Alex Heyman. Now, Alex is the Chief Officer at Southeast Primary Care Partners. And uh, he's going to share his expertise with us today. So Alex, welcome to the show. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your organization? I work at a, a very unique company down in the Southeast. And it's an independent primary care medical group. And with a very neat support network, the best part about it is the people. We'll talk about a little bit more about that as well. But basically serve uh, multiple states and we focus on value-based medicine. So we've got a wide array of folks from real estate and support, infrastructure for IT and, and facilities to our clinicians and our clinics. And we've got a ton of folks that join us throughout the year. That's why this is so important of a conversation that they join us and we're actually merging cultures together and how important engagement is to not only close gaps on those things, but let people know that we're just as invested in them. We're very focused on our physicians and our providers here, which is really neat for me, change where it's not necessarily about money or anything. We know that we take care of the people and that means the folks that support our leaders and our physicians so they can get better care for our patients, which is all by engagement. We absolutely know that these folks will stay with us a long time. They'll be very productive. And these are the folks that also give us some really cool engagement things moving forward as far as ideas for growth, innovation, just to support our long-term success. But Southeast Primary Care Partners has about 60 clinics, primarily in Georgia and Alabama, and their headquarters out of Alpharetta, Georgia. And we've got a little under a thousand employees. I want to pick up on the little phrase that you mentioned, value-based medicine or value-based healthcare. Could you expand a little bit on what that? That means. It, it might not need to be listeners. We've got physicians that don't know about it too. One of the primary reasons I followed our CEO down here from the last company, visionary Eric Lyles, our CEO president, is really, we knew that in the Southeast predominantly was a little bit behind the rest of the nation in focusing on the right things about health. And what that means is typically a lot of these places that kind of just done episodic, you're sick, get an acute condition, you go in and get seen, that provider gets paid, you go home. You might see them a long time and they don't feel that engagement or responsibility for health. We wanted to come here and change that. We also wanted to change the dynamics of always go to urgent care, always go to ED, always go to these other places of heart cost, not necessarily better quality. So what we end up doing is we brought these folks together and we said, hey, you know what? We want you to do what you think you need to do to really take care of the health of our folks. What value-based medicine is really about outcomes-based medicine, meaning that evidence-based as well. But what it really truly means is that we are going to take care of the holistic, the proactive, preventive care for our patients. Not just when they're sick, we'll bring them in throughout the year. We want to make sure we avoid emergent care or emergent condition. And some people change medicine. Some people have new conditions. Some things really can have comorbidities and lead to other issues. So we see them as often as we possibly can. 
And it is a huge shift in the Southeast because most people, they come in, they get paid, they leave. That's a fee-for-service model. On a value-based model, it's about preventive care. We want to avoid the hospital visits because then we go to risk contracts and the different types of reimbursement structure where we're responsible for the health of those patients. What that really makes me proud about is as I engage with our physicians and our providers, the fact that they know we're going to give them all the resources they can do in the clinic. They don't have to refer them out for either a dermatological procedure, an orthopedic thing, something small, joint injections, those sorts of things. We give them a resource training and support to do those things in-house, makes them feel a ton more really capable to take care of their health. And also really make sure those patients or customers that come in that don't have to take another day off, pay another copay, do those things, and get all that stuff done in a one-stop shop. It's a really neat model. And we get reimbursed very differently. It's on the basically the money we save. So instead of using healthcare all the time, we're trying to avoid the higher costs of care, focus people on primary care. And that's really what value base is about, doing the right quality evidence base for our patients holistically. That's very cool. And I, I, from what it sounds like, it, it seems to, that the values that the organization carries to, to your patients is this very consistent with the, the, the same level of care that you take for your people in the organization, working in the organization. I'm always excited to ask this question. What for you, Alex, was the game-changing realization that helped you to build elite teams within the context of uh, Southeast? It's no rocket science. It's really simple stuff. It's just back to fundamentals. The biology of our workforce has absolutely changed. And customer service, some of the engagement protocols that we might do to include just talking face-to-face is not around a lot with the, the workforce now. They're motivated very differently. And our patients, our customers are motivated differently as well. They want good cost, good quality, and, and, and results. And they want to have it at a time frame that they can do So to build teams around our customers, it's really not difficult if you start off right. And what I mean by that is the the screening process, the onboarding process, really getting them to understand not just our mission, vision, and cultures, but why truly are we here to do that and how they fit in the bigger picture to support our patients. So when they understand that, a lot of these patients are family members as well. So the just that we go at, would you take care of your mom, friends, family the same way? And how would you do that? So we really want to make sure that engagement, that situation where not only they engage with other members of the staff, but the patients. And the neat part about primary care compared to some other places is most of those folks that come in that see us, I'd probably say 90% are repeat customers. So we know them. We know probably family members. It's really neat. So it's not necessarily just an event. You came in, you did it, and you left. And in healthcare, it's a little different. And this is part of when I meet with folks, I really want to figure out, do they understand what healthcare is? Because we're service and we're really here to support other folks. But it is a life event when a patient comes into to a clinic. And same as a hospital. But for our staff, it's another day of work. And letting them know the differences there and how impactful that is, it goes a long way. And then we give them tools of how to stay engaged, how to find some of those really unique things. And we ask those questions. When we do the interviews, we bring them on. We want to know that these are going to be an engaged workforce. We do behavioral-based questions. We make sure we have scenarios. And then we do some peer interviewing at our clinics as well. So we really want to make sure we connect folks. And before we make that final offer, they get a chance to see where they'll work. They'll get a chance to see what we do. And we're very transparent about expectations. But the team they'll work with will also give us some feedback. So building those teams that you're referring to, it, it, it's not rocket science. It's really about just getting people in front of folks, asking them the right questions, and really maybe even giving them some scenarios or some shadow time when they're in there as well. 
but we have a huge training and support network behind that. And everyone, every now and then needs some coaching, some polishing. So we are always there to do that. It allows our staff to know that they can go above and beyond, take some risk from time to time and know that we're going to be there to back them up, to train them and help them. But a lot of the times you and I, we're not making those great, wonderful finds. It's the people on the floor meeting the customers. You're going, hey, you know what? Here's something we should do. I'd love to be able to do that. We empower them to do those things. Make the difference. Obviously, it can't be immoral and just going safe type things, but if it's going to help the customer and they feel more engaged, it's a win for them. Wow. It's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. That's great. And I, I think just to pick up on what you said around the, the way that for the patients, when they enter one of your healthcare facilities, for them, it's a life event. It's something that means a lot, but to the staff, it's going to be just another day at work. And that's such an important dynamic in the interaction between the patient and, and you know, the staff that it, it sounds almost like you cannot afford to have disengaged employees. And also on the flip side, if I'm a patient and I'm coming through to one of your facilities and I'm seeing a familiar face that, that who recognizes me, I feel like that would increase the level of engagement that I would have as a patient with the facility and with your brand. How do you go about doing this? Making sure that your employees, like every single employee across a thousand of them are engaged. And no one's got the perfect solution. Doesn't work for everyone all the time. You've got to be flexible to do these things. But just a step back, we're talking about engagement here and the importance of it. It's really just that emotional, intellectual involvement, really that motivates people to do their job. And when you share with them that this is a life event, truly, these guys are coming in and it could be something dramatic or it could be something very simple, but it's not just an experience for them to come in and they're, they're buying a product immediately. It's really going to touch them, potentially even their family members and so forth. So we always try to drive that into our culture and we really try to drive a transparent culture. And the more productive people are, typically means they're more engaged. They have better relationships. They foster better customer relations as well. But we start this off similar to what we talked about before. We have a good screening criteria. So our recruiters really go above and beyond. So they meet with all our hiring managers and they really figure out that a job's not a job in one clinic and the exact job in another clinic may be totally different folks they're looking for. Simple things like maybe one needs to buy a bilingual, one needs to be focused and more experienced in a certain area. So they really want to make sure they get the right people that fit on that team. Everyone that applies to a job out there, they pretty much meet the qualifications where we never got through the screening process. For us, it's about energy and attitude and fit. So we really try to monitor that up front with expectations to our current staff and folks coming in. And that's why you do a lot of peer interviews as well. Some of the things that we do throughout the year, and even the new folks, is we, we do a poll survey. So every quarter, we send something out to our, our entire staff, our physicians, our staff, our support corporate folks as well, with similar questions. One of them's an MPS questions. One of them's about how do you feel you're part of the team. Really good, insightful information that comes back to us to include these giant ability to write and free text as much as you want. We dig through those. We actually have a person dedicated to experience. And really, we have probably four or five other people that do 
a whole bunch of other things with some platforms. I love to share, not necessarily their names, but some of the things that they do so we can capture some of the feelings that come from our patients, what we can do about them. And a lot of them are positive and a lot of them are improvement opportunities. But to get back to your question, I think the biggest thing you can do to not only ensure up front, get the right hire, make sure it's a good fit, but that onboarding process is so critical. And why we narrowed this talk today really about that six months is we're not immune to it. It's every industry. Six months, definitely a year or less, but six months and less is that trend for turnover is so dramatically high. And if folks say it's all about money, it's not. For six months, most people don't think they're going to get a raise that quickly. It is about managing expectations, let them know what they're getting into, and really selling. This is an honored profession to be in. We're serving customers. This is what we do. But we tell them transparent feedback to us. We do quarterly check-ins with them. I'm not a big believer in doing annual phone interviews only. I want them to do quarterly 15-minute check-ins and recontract every quarter because everyone, that includes a 360, to really get a feedback of, this is how I believe you're doing. How do you think you're doing? How am I doing? We just make sure that the boundaries are taken down. We still have accountability, still have leadership, but open feedback is absolutely huge. There's some organizations that have worked in the past. You're intimidated to bring things up and that definitely diminishes your engagement. And, or sometimes you don't believe that they got your back. So you might not do the things above and beyond that you'd love to do to your patients or your customers or another coworker. Earlier this year, uh, we built a culture committee for, for a company. And that has a kind of representation of kind of all the demographics, all the geographies we have from physicians all the way to IT, HR, has a mix of folks. And they're responsible to ensure that our mission, vision, value is truly translated and understood with our teams. We've built extremely super outcome-based recognition, reward and recognition programs that allow our managers, leaders to do on-the-spot recognition, also do stories. We've got to focus on that. I will tell you engagement. It'll fly off the roof if you share your positive stories and they're happening in all the organization. So we do a lot of effort there to say, you know what, as a shared services where we can see 50 other locations, we bring best practices together. And sometimes it's a lesson learned where we're walking and talking with, I made a mistake. This is what we're doing. But it's a very managed up philosophy and very collegial environment that no one knows everything. And we've got folks three decades here that are absolutely brilliant, but everyone brings something to the table. And it's an organization that if I come to, and, I, and this is what we try to strive to every day, is if I come to this organization, no matter which position I'm in, and I know I have a voice and someone's going to listen to me, and I have a venue and I have feedback loops and clear communication, I understand expectation, mission, vision, value is pretty clear, and I have a way to develop, man, I'm going to be engaged. I'm sold. All that other stuff comes off the table. There's a lot of unique things you can do. And the things I just discussed don't cost any money. A culture committee, rewards and recognition, some of the things that we did, they're not millions of dollars. They're, you wear a t-shirt, you want a hat, those sorts of things. But our CEO will go recognize them. We'll put them on our SharePoint, put them out on social. And anything positive, we want to keep pushing out. Um, so the platforms that we use to get some of this information is because, do you remember a very good indicator of a high NPS, your net promoter score? And it, it really, it's focused on your customers. You know, would they you know, recommend it to friends and family? But it is a direct correlation that, you know, your employees are really your first customer. So your NPS is heard, and I can guarantee you, even if you're not doing a pulse survey like we do, it's an indication employees probably aren't as happy as well. And we get the feedback, actually get it straight to my phone every day. Anytime there's positive, negative, we push them out and we desensitize, you know, sanitize things as well. But we want to make sure there's positive and negative things go out there. So one other thing we started was called Care Award. 
And recognition ties to engagement. I will tell you tremendously. Incentives do as well, but our care program is just caring, attentive, responsive, enthusiastic. Just a way that if there's a good story that happened, we share it. We get a day off PGO, that sort of thing. But um, I'm not saying we're the, the biggest Fortune 5 and we're not even anywhere near that. We don't have millions of billions of dollars to spend. We build programs around what we think our staff want. We do that by our culture committee. Culture committee is not, there's no leaders. I'm the only executive sponsor for it, but they bring from the field what's really important to them. So we build these programs that really don't cost much, but these guys get a venue that they see that I bring an idea to it. It actually gets implemented and we give them credit for it and all that fun things, but I will tell you it's contagious. So we get a lot of more innovation. We've got a lot of more, we still have turnover and we still got to work through those things, but we've got a lot more engaged folks. And they're not just engaged in what they're doing. They're looking at to the counterparts left and right and see how they can help them because they know it's an organizational success. It's not just theirs. But MPS has helped drive that tremendously. Not having a huge marketing team or we only got three people doing experience in culture and advocacy. We've bought a platform and this platform is absolutely critical for any organization. Don't need to mention the name. You guys go out and do some research. You can always email me and I'll give you some recommendations. But what it does is it goes out to that social product out there. So if it's Google, Facebook, Better Business Bureau, and it consolidates not just star ratings, but comments, Facebook too. And it allows us to really aggregate data so we can track trends and we can do it in real time. We can also reply to it very quickly. So it doesn't require us to get more and more FTEs. And we can stay engaged with those folks. At the same time, we stay engaged with our staff because we're sharing with them. It's that feedback loop that pushed back out there that I think a lot of companies have an opportunity for improvement. The engagement part and all those things are not at the forefront. For me, being an HR guy in operations, it's so critical to keep and retain your folks. But I think it's even more critical is they have to be part of being an organization successfully forward, meaning they have a voice that they can give information. It's just not show up on time and do the right things. They have to be engaged. We always do, even with my managers, direct and then across the board, we have a lunch and learn. It's voluntary. They can join. They don't have to. But we know a lot of the things that they're having frustrations with. We also know a lot of things that are coming that can help them. But we bring in, I'll do a half hour on it. It's a lunch and learn. So it doesn't disrupt practices of customers. And then the last one is a special personal bring in. Maybe it's a financial, something where we're giving them the development and our intent is they should be able to walk away from that and directly actually practice that with the customers, with their staff. It's not something you go to school for 12 years for. Every one of our sessions we do, you have a takeaway where you can apply it same day and it makes them feel empowered and it really translates to great customer service. We have a lot of other cool things we do with customer service, but I will tell you purposeful rounding. Do you ever look at Quint Studer and some other things? All these cool ideas that are out there are really about trying to figure out and really being humble about it. You don't have the answer to everything. Getting out and about and finding what really means something to someone and what they think the opportunities for improvement are, your organization will flourish. Thanks for sharing all of that, Alex. I think that's a really comprehensive program that you have going on. You could quickly share a little bit about who makes up the culture committee because it sounds like this committee drives so much of this kind of activity with quite a shoestring budget, but at the same time, high impact. You can call whatever you want, but I will tell you that if it comes from the top down, it's not often received in the manner that is expected. And a lot of times what I might think is, I want, I think they want to do this and they should do this and they'll be excited to get this. It might not be the case. So we were very careful about how we put it together. We went out and we talked to a lot of our employees and asked them, 
Do you know what our mission, vision, values are? How do you tie into it? How do you impact? And it was very disappointing. And, and I take that on myself, but a lot of them didn't know how they tied what they did each and every day. And a lot of them had no idea that being a voice in the organization, but most of them didn't know our mission and vision. We work in a clinic, we take care of folks, we got it. But overall, it's about improving the health and quality of our folks across the Southeast. So we started there and we started figuring out, you know what, we've got to have a team that really um, helps with culture, pushes culture, finds out what's happening with our folks in each of our departments, areas, but it's not going to be leaders. And you really don't want to have it top driven. So really we went out and we opened it up. We, we limit it to 10 people, but they can rotate every six months. They can stay on it as well too. And then we do have quarterly forums that the entire organization's part of. I'm an executive sponsor. I just facilitate, but it's built by the rank and file employees. We do have a couple of providers, healthcare providers too. So you have a mix of uh, not just experience and diversity, but you have it. You have some leadership, no senior leadership at all, except just my guy out there to do things and me fighting for them to get a little bit of money so we can do some reward and recognition and some things like that. We also built things really based on, here's some examples. When we first put it together, we tied our mission, vision, values. We actually, we did it for our folks based on feedback we got from our staff. I have never seen an organization that will take feedback and really try to align things with what they understand, what they think is important with our overall business strategy. And some of the stuff, obviously, we've got to stay in a certain narrow trajectory, but we brought a ton of stuff in. So what that did, it was open the floodgates. So these guys now were like, every time we meet, which is a couple times a month, very informal, typically lunch or after hours, just for about a half hour, definitely a lot on email, but things have been brought to us. Hey, we've got a lot of employees that you know, came on hard times. They didn't know how to do this, that, and the other. The great have an emergency fund. Within a week, we built an emergency fund, put it together. I pitched it to our, our senior team, got it approved, and now we have an emergency uh, fund for it as well. All these other recognition programs are great. Everyone in all our geographies, because we are geographically dispersed pretty, sometimes eight, um, up to eight hours away from my other, they wanted to do things outside of work. And we wanted to figure out how do we do this? They came up with the idea, let's go to a park, let's reserve area, let's get some barbecue stock, let's put it together, some small stuff. So we're able to do organizational days throughout the year by geographies, away from work, People bring their family, bring their dogs, that sort of thing. And we've done our third one so far this year, and they're less than a thousand bucks, really cheap and huge outcomes. So we do holiday parties and those sorts of things, but there wasn't as much engagement. These organizational days really just took everything down, they're on the same sheet, and it's amazing the engagement that we have. Our CEO also has put out, everything's driven from the top as far as modeling behavior and knowing that you're engaged. We just can't just say this, we've got to walk the talk. We've actually started all our executives meet sometimes twice, but typically once a month after hours in a just basically neutral area. We might go rent a boat for a weekend, hang out at the beach, whatever. It's something where we can actually let our hair down. Those of us still have hair, I'm losing mine, but we can actually go out there and, and talk through things. And it was amazing. We actually met two nights ago and we had several new executives that came on that have never met the other folks. And ironically, everyone's lame impacts everyone else's lane. That engagement there that they got from one night led to a lot of great relationships, but also we were getting solutions that evening on texts and emails that, hey, I'm the so-and-so, I think we should go do this. I'm like, and we're doing some of those things. It's, just, it's amazing if you let people share what they have, bring them together, give them the opportunity to share. And again, economy's crazy. So we're trying to figure out ways we can do it. But going back to your question again, that the culture community is really built from the people by the people sort of thing. We're here to support them, our leaders, myself, everyone. We work for them anyway. 
this is a demonstration clearly that says, hey, we want your engagement. We want you to tell us how we can make things better. We want to share the responsibility to the overall success for a company. We also tie a whole bunch of other things in financially, so you have incentives to do better for organization. But we don't just throw them out there. We say, this is the reason. This ultimately leads to better care. It leads to happier patients. It leads to patients coming back so we have repeat customers. But we're also, believe it or not, changing healthcare. So instead of an expensive $10,000 visit at the ER, 40 bucks, they came in here and they didn't even pay that. They paid 10 bucks to pay or whatever cases. We are changing the cost of care. And patients like that, we like it. And we can put more money into other areas like switch studies, telemetry, outsource, you know, remote patient monitoring, things that really benefit patients. But we get all that from our own staff. And really opening the doors to that is, is huge. The consistent feedback is absolutely important for you. But being a leader that is not only engaged and walks around, definitely knows birthdays, anniversaries, that sort of thing, but ask them what's important, Joe. Let them point out things to you and then follow through with it, which typically most people don't do. They do all the first part and they don't follow through. That's where we establish mentorship. And you don't pick a mentor. You end up saying, actually work with them. And he does really great on here. You might have six mentors. We have a lot of folks that are almost informal mentors because they open the door, because they listen to folks. And we'd never be on the success trajectory we are right now without the input of everyone. We've got great folks, but if you don't allow them to communicate and understand what the mission is and bring things together and resource them, you're never going to get there. I know this whole thing's about engagement. I will tell you that this HR part to me that's having this big problem over the last two and a half years is retention. I will tell you, the more you put in here, it's not a one for one. It's probably like you put two in for engagement probably get 20 out on the retention. So there's a huge ROI. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for sharing, Alex. So if I quickly summarize what you've mentioned, essentially to be able to deliver on this, there are almost like four or five main points. I think first one is around that onboarding piece. Before onboarding, there's screening and selection, which you, you basically look for candidates in the market who align with the, the vision, mission, values, and the way that you operate within uh, Southeast. Then secondly, you, once they're in, you go through an onboarding, a very deliberate onboarding over six months where you have those quarterly check-ins, 360 feedback, and then you support that in the third piece with pulse surveys, net promoter score, and the fourth piece is having repre people representation with its culture committee, which you oversee. And you give a certain amount of autonomy to, to, to suggest certain engagement pieces. And then finally, you guys have baked in to your daily operations, almost lunch and learns and different engagement touch points that you, you're able to execute on daily. So those five different, er five different areas on hiring, onboarding, people representation, care or awards and recognition, as well as those informal lunch and learn type events. So sounds, is there anything that I missed out with all of that? I would say that you touched on it on the peripheral, but it's really important to make sure that you make every opportunity. This is a lifelong learning journey. It's not just to end there. It's imperative. Onboarding stops. You've got to still continue. Not only finding the right people to bring in, but you always got to make sure they understand not just skills required, the culture fit, but how do they fit in the organization strategically? So if I'm at the front desk, by answering the phone and helping a patient make an appointment, it leads to this. You've got to know where they fit and how they add value. And we have a workforce now that really, truly wants to know that, hey, I have a purpose and I'm making an impact. Helping them, not just mentorship, set clear expectations, equip your managers. 
and you will not be successful. You've got to commit, equip them, understand your people. Every day is a new opportunity to foster engagement. If you miss those opportunities, you'll, you'll actually have a retention problem. And I will tell you right now, just the last thing I'd say is if you do have a retention problem, you have an engagement problem. Thanks for sharing all of this with us today so generously, Alex. If people want to find you, what's the best way for them to do? So? I'm, a, I'm a bad guy. I actually give my cell and my email out. Easiest way though, really, is just hit me up on my LinkedIn and I monitor, I'm tied to it. I've recruited a lot from it as well. So yeah, email me questions. I don't know all the answers, but I guarantee you that I could find somebody where I might take a piece from what you have, a piece from what I have and create something better. But the community that you're creating here, the podcast that you're creating, this isn't for one-time shop. You've got to continue. We've got to stay engaged as well because I think this environment, you, you continue to make better. And I'm glad you brought me into this. It gives me an opportunity to see outside of just healthcare as well, get some feedback on, you know what? There's a really cool idea that Disney's doing or this company's doing. I can engage and put that kind of into our protocol. So really appreciate that. I mean, if you found this chat of any value whatsoever, you know, reach out to me. I'd love to start a conversation, blog, whatever you need to. But yeah, um, wait, Alex Heyman. Um, otherwise, if you want to email me, I'll give it out there. It's A-H-A-Y-M-A-N. So it's Heyman at southeastpcp.com. Thank you very much for hanging with us today. Like you, I hope all of the listeners have uh, enjoyed the show and make sure you drop us a review and tune in next time on the HR Impact Show. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Chitong. It's uh, been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.